You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you're a 415-er, 415 you're all about your San Francisco 49ers. And this is where you need to be for news, analysis, and, and, and more. And more. Welcome to the 415 hosted by Evan Gidding and Mark Grandy. What is going on, everyone? The 415ers podcast is back. It is a Tuesday, and that is because we have a lot to react to after a Monday night football win for the San Francisco 49ers. But before we get to that, I want to remind you, as always, to download, subscribe, and rate the podcast, the 415ers podcast on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95.7 The Game coming at you three times a week. This week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. But Mark, my man, I mean, it's just a matter of where you want to start because right now, 49ers fans have to be on cloud nine after beating the Rams in pretty dominant fashion, 24 to nine ridiculous performance for the 49ers last night and they absolutely needed it a huge win against a division rival instead of being one and three and and two games from the top of the division you officially have the division to yourself you have the tiebreaker over the Seahawks and the Rams the Cardinals are also two and two who lost to the Rams Uh, so obviously a huge 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 win and I guess the answer to all of the 49ers problems is just hey Play the Rams. You will figure it out because it (laughs) saved them last year. It has saved them this season so far. They've now won seven straight regular season games against the Rams. If the Niners have issues, they better hope the Rams are coming up on the schedule because they seem to get all things right immediately whenever they play these Rams. Yeah, it was kind of funny. I was thinking like, Okay, maybe, uh, all right, defending Super Bowl champs, Rams, Rams are off to a 2-1 start. 49ers, God, we don't know where they're going. The first two <laughs> weeks were an absolute whirlwind. Last week was a forgettable game against Denver. And at the end of last night, I was thinking, man, I'm so glad that they played the Rams in week four and they got another game coming up in the first half of the season rather than playing them in week 10 and then week 17. Like, I was glad to see the Rams on the schedule, especially considering the way that last night's game went. Yeah, I mean, we kind of talked about it last week on our on our preview episode from Friday. We weren't really expecting or we didn't really know what to expect coming into this one. I know you picked the Rams, I picked the Niners, but I was flip-flopping at the last second. I, I kind of picked the, the Niners just to, to go against your pick of the Rams. But, um, I mean, 24 to 9, I mean, they win by 15 points. The, the pick six, obviously... By Talano Hufanga, which we'll certainly talk about, makes it a larger margin of victory. The game was within one score, really, for the majority of this one, but it didn't really feel all that close just because of how dominant the defense was, um, which is interesting, despite the fact that for much of the game, if the Rams could just punch one drive into the end zone, they probably would have taken the lead, and and who knows, they, they might have won this game, but the defense just so incredibly dominant. 
you know, bend, don't break. They gave up some long drives, but did not allow the Rams to get into the end zone. Excuse me, the end zone. Just a uh, incredible performance. And uh, certainly, I, I think a game that kind of changes the way that 49er fans look at this season moving forward, because this seemed like the recipe that this team has to follow if they want to have success. It's going to be a dominant defense. You're going to do just enough offensively. You're going to frustrate opposing defenses with your, your unique run game, your ability to hit some uh, you know passes, Debo Samuel's explosion. This seems to be the way that the Niners need to win games. And it was really similar to what we saw in the second half of last season when the defense really stepped up. Jimmy Garoppolo, Debo Samuel did just enough offensively. The run game supported as well uh, to keep them afloat on the offensive side. And that is exactly what we saw on Monday Night Football. Yeah, and I know that Kyle Juszczyk, to take a page out of his book, said against Seattle it felt like 49er football. Yeah. Well, it didn't feel like it then, maybe, but two weeks later, it absolutely does. This feels like San Francisco 49ers football. And I'm glad you laid out the recipe for success because, to me, that's exactly where I'm at. Like, this is the equation that not only the 49ers need if they want to make potentially a deep run like they did last year. But I think it's also the team that a lot of fans expected and in a way were promised when Jimmy Garoppolo was brought back as the backup quarterback and then was forced into action after Trey Lance went down with his broken ankle. This was the type of team and type of playing style that a lot of teams, a lot of fans expected from the 49ers and one that, okay, maybe your defense is... I mean, we're, we, we could potentially have the 2019-2022 49ers defense conversation later in this podcast, but it's an offense that didn't make the big mistake, won the turnover battle, kept the ball on the ground. They didn't even win time of possession, yeah. but they sustained drives long enough and effectively enough to create touchdowns and points, whereas the Rams were settling for field goals on their long-sustained drives. And so you also didn't really hurt yourself. You played it safe. I know there was a fourth down and goal decision by Kyle Shanahan to kick a field goal we could also get into later in the podcast that, to me, aligns with the identity of this team, which, as you laid out so succinctly, is defense first, being able to manage the game on offense, and doing enough on special teams to make sure that you're also in a position to win at the end, which was, hey, eight-point lead in the fourth quarter, to me, I know that may not literally be safe as far as a one score game is concerned but if you're in that situation against a defending Super Bowl champ against a division rival against one of the best teams in the conference to me you can consider yourself one of the best and after this game last night not just because they have the tiebreaker and are technically on top of the NFC West but to me the way that they dominated the Rams or at least controlled the Rams held them in check tells me that the San Francisco 49ers are the best team in the NFC West. I One thing that you mentioned there was time of possession, which is really, really interesting to me because, as you mentioned, the Rams did win that, 34.5 to about 25.5. So, you know, they had the ball for four more minutes than, you know, an even 30 minutes. Um, and most of that is because of four drives that they had on the offensive side. You look at some of their drives. They had a 14-play drive in the first quarter, 54 yards, a field goal. A 10-play drive in the second quarter, 54 yards, a field goal. A 16-play drive in the third quarter. That was their only drive of the third quarter, by the way. 75 yards, a field goal. In the fourth quarter, a 13-play drive, 44 yards, and a fumble 
recovered by the 49ers that sealed the game. Four drives of of 10 or more plays, Evan, resulted in nine total points and one turnover. When you do that to an opposing offense, you allow them to get some of those long drives, but you do not give up the big play. You never allow them into the end zone. One, it does a couple of things. It tires out, you know, maybe your own defense a little bit, but it also frustrates their offense. They don't get into the end zone. They waste a lot of time while they're trailing on the scoreboard, and it yeah. keeps your offense fresh, and it allows you to get chunk plays in the second half of games when you need it, when you need to move the chains, when you need to keep killing the clock. I mean, the fact that this Niner team only ran the ball 22 times it's not, it's not a knock on the run game, which had chunks of yardage for most of the night. It's more a testament to the defense and the fact that the Rams just could not do anything on their long drives and they were out there for so long. I mean, normally when you talk about time of possession, it's because, oh man, the Rams, they had 35 minutes with the ball. They ran the ball well. They were moving the chains. The Niners defense couldn't get off the field. And there were some moments of that on those long drives, but it never felt like the Niners defense was in danger of breaking and they never did. And as a result, the Rams won the time of possession, but it was never an issue for the 49ers because they were okay with the Rams kind of twiddling with the ball in the midfield area without getting a touchdown. I mean, it was kind of a strange, you know, formula to get to a nine points defensively allowed by the 49ers but it was just a picture-perfect result because the Rams, suddenly you look up after one drive in the second half and you're already in the fourth quarter, down by eight points, and I'm not sure anyone in that stadium believed that the Rams were ever going to get a touchdown on, on Monday night. Well, and that's why for me, the first possession between both sides, in a way now looking back, was sort of a microcosm for how this game played out because the Rams start with the ball, and they're pretty much marching. I mean, they yeah. go right down the field, 14 plays, eight eight minutes and 15 seconds, and then they run into that wall, that bend but don't break near historic San Francisco 49ers defense that it's been through the first four weeks that came into the game, and Kyle Madsen put this stat up earlier in the week, uh, our co-worker here at 95.7 The Game, the fact that the 49ers defense was allowing 3.9 yards per play yeah. through the first three weeks. That average went down last night. <laughs> That's just ridiculous. It's unbelievable. So you have a first drive where the Rams march down the field, 14 plays. And at the end of it, they're looking up at the scoreboard and saying, wow, we really moved the ball well. We were efficient. We passed the ball seven times. We ran the ball seven times, got the ball to Cooper Cup three times. We're, our offense is working. And we got three points. Flip. 49ers get the ball. Jimmy Garoppolo hits IU, got a 15-yard pass first play. They moved the ball down the field with the pass couple of you know tight rushes. I think one went for negative one yards, one went for one yard, and then boom, Jeff Wilson Jr. absolutely breaks out for 32, gets himself into the end zone with an explosive 20-plus yard play, something that the Los Angeles Rams did not do the entire game, something that had not happened since 2007 as far as them not getting a chunk play of 20-plus yards on offense. Jeff Wilson Jr. does it on the first drive for the 49ers, and they go up 7-3, and even though the Rams' offense had been humming on the first possession, and the 49ers, I mean, seven plays, ho-hum, right down the field, into the end zone, you're up 7-3, and you're looking at the scoreboard like, wow, this might be a different game today. Yeah. I mean, the, the defense was incredible. And, you know, thinking about what this game means, obviously, for the season ahead, obviously means good things. But I was I was thinking, 
you know, even further than that. And, you know, I kind of, I kind of came to this result. So 49er fans, I have good news and I have bad news for you. Uh Okay. First of all, the good news is you have probably the best defense in the NFL and it might not be particularly close. You talked about yards per play. Uh, They're first in points allowed 11 and a half points per game. The bills are second three points more than that. 14 and a half points allowed per game. You're tied for first in total defense. That's total yards per game, 161.2, tied with the Bills there. You're second in passing defense. Oh, pardon me, total defense is 234 and a half. You're second in passing defense, 161.2, tied, uh, or the Bills are first with 150.8 passing yards allowed per game. You're second in rushing defense, 73.2. Kansas City is first, the Bills are third. That's the good news. Your defense is as good as any in the NFL, probably the best. The bad news, though, Evan, do not get too attached to D'Amico Ryans because there is no way in hell he is on this coaching staff a season from now. He is getting multiple head coaching offers this offseason. I can promise you that. With how good this 49ers defense is through four weeks, and they're only going to get better when you get Eric Armstead fully healthy again. Javon Kinlaw comes back. Jimmy Ward comes back. One of the better safeties in this league. This defense is going to get better as the season moves along. Assuming superstars like Nick Bosa and Fred Warner stay healthy, they are going to get better. And I can promise you, 49er fans, unfortunately, D'Amico Ryan's time in the red and gold is limited because his ceiling is much higher than defensive coordinator. He will be a head coach somewhere else in 2023. I can promise you that. I want to pump the brakes a little bit on that. And not just because it's week four, but also because there's someone named Eric Bieniemy who coaches for the Kansas City Chiefs and has been the offensive coordinator for one of the best offenses of football the last five plus years That's and fair. has not gotten a whiff at a head coaching job. So as much as I would love to see D'Amico Ryans, who in my opinion was was kind of the star of last night, his defense was unbelievable. And, and I, I maybe, maybe that's where we go next. I mean, we focus in on the defense because D'Amico Ryans, he kind of, and, and look, the sign of a good defense, the sign of a good offense is versatility and being able to do multiple things. I don't know if statistically they can get any better for the reasons that you just laid out, but they certainly will get healthier. And Eric Armstead is certainly someone I'm keeping an eye on. To me, that was really the only, I guess, downside of last game is the fact that he had to leave with a foot injury and had the plantar fasciitis that was flaring up earlier in the season. Could be related to that. Could be not. You're going to get, obviously, Jimmy Ward back. You know, there's some guys up front that can get healthier. Jason Verrett, I know, was rumored after the game to be potentially, you know, on his way back to being healthy. That's another addition to the secondary to potentially one of the better corner groups that the 49ers have had in recent memory. But D'Amico Ryans deserves a game ball as much as Hufanga, as much as, you know, Drake Greenlaw, who had 15 freaking tackles, 12 of them solos. Fred Warner, who should have had a pick six at the end. Deshaun Gibson, who could have had two picks in that game. I mean, there was a lot of love to go around defensively. And I do think you're right in that. Look, D'Amico Ryans will be a head coach someday. I'm hoping it won't be next season. Uh, But if it is, I certainly wouldn't be shocked. The only reason I push back is just because there's a lot of candidates. And even though Kyle Shanahan has been, you know, pretty much given them out, as far as coordinators to head coaching positions, Mike McDaniel being the latest of them. Uh, I, I just don't want to believe yet that, that D'Amico Ryans could go so quickly, but he absolutely deserves it because of the way that he is, his defense uh, is playing. 
Yeah, I mean, I as a 49er fan, you know, you shouldn't want that to happen. But I, I think it's just the nature of the NFL. You take, you know, the best unit, offensive or defensive unit. And I think Eric Bieniemy is is the exception. It it makes no sense to me why he he doesn't have a head coaching role somewhere else. And maybe he's been offered multiple and he wanted to to stay with the Chiefs. I mean, I, I couldn't really blame him for not wanting to leave uh, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. Uh, but generally speaking, you take the best coordinator, offensive or defensive, leading the best unit, offensive or defense from the previous season, and you can guarantee that person's going to be a head coach somewhere else. So I think it's very likely, not saying I want it to happen, but uh, I think it I think it will. And uh, But the 49ers, I mean, they dealt with this two years ago when Robert Sala was hired by the Jets, and they've you know promoted from within to D'Amico Ryans, and who knows? There's Niner fans now saying that D'Amico Ryans is a better coordinator than Robert Sala. So who knows what the Niners uh, would have coming up next if that were to happen. But I agree. I'm probably getting a bit ahead of myself. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the 415ers. This is what we do. We pontificate. We hypothesize. <laughs> we throw out different scenarios. We get you your game reaction as we're doing today. We get you your midweek episode. We get you your preview for the next upcoming game. Of course, it'll be on the road against Carolina on this weekend. But want to remind you, as always, to download and rate, subscribe to the podcast. Five stars is the minimum. You can find us on social media. I am at egiddings 10 that is Mark Grandy, at Mark Grandy, Mark with a C, Grandy with an I, coming at you three times a week on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network with 95-7 the game. Well, as far as the defense is concerned, Mark, I don't know if there's been a more impressive defensive performance throughout the league, maybe than what we saw last night. Three 10-plus play drives from the Los Angeles Rams resulted Four. in well, four, but I'm saying the th three as far as 16, 10, as well as the opening one on 14 results in nine points. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you get three field goals out of six minute plus drives. And it feels almost like Ben, but don't break, doesn't do the defense and what it put on the field last night. It doesn't do it justice. Like, even though they did bend, I mean, it felt like like a like a minimal flex, just like like an inch deep bend, and then immediately springing back with seven sacks, with a total of a thirty percent pressure rate, with not allowing a single play to go twenty plus yards, with seventeen hits on Matthew Stafford. I mean, pressure coming from everywhere. Nick Bosa had fourteen freaking pressures last night, had two sacks, had two tackles for loss, and he was he may not have even been the star of the game because Talanoa Hofunga. Sealed the deal 
with the pick six in the last couple of minutes of the game, absolutely read the route off of Stafford's arm over to Cooper Cup in a play that just was in a breadbasket for him the entire way before the snap. It's almost as if he said, look, there's six points standing on the other side. All I need to do is be in the right position because he didn't care where the offensive line was going. He didn't seem to care where Cooper Cup was going. He only knew where he needed to be when that ball was thrown by Matthew Stafford in the fourth quarter, and he was there, bobbled it for a moment, gave you the uh-uh, and then went all the way to the crib to seal a 24-9 win. Oh, yeah, it was a really interesting play because he's matched up there one-on-one with Tyler Higby, I believe, was the tight end on that side of the formation. And it was just a simple wide receiver screen to Cup. So Higby is trying to run into Cup's defender and and block him, essentially, as the ball is getting out to Cup. And then, you know, he'll take it and probably gain 15 yards because that's what Cooper Cup does. But Hufanga, he read the play, as you mentioned, and he, he mentioned this in the post game. I guess it was just you know, film work. I, I've watched enough film. I've seen them do this play plenty of times. They did it a lot earlier in this game. He said, you know, it was a key moment in the game. They were down by eight in the fourth quarter. They were just trying to get their offense back on track. And that's one of their bread and butter plays. Just that simple, quick throw out to the right, a screen to your star receiver, Cooper Cup, let him run for 10, 15 yards. And suddenly, you know, you got, you got your offense moving once again. He read it once he saw his man, Tyler Higby kind of run into that blocking position. He said, okay, I'm I'm not staying with Higby anymore. I am pushing this route to Cooper Cup. And lo and behold, he beat he beats Cup to the ball and he bobbled it for a second, but but had a pick six and ran all the way into the end zone. And Kyle Shanahan also talked about this after the game uh, on Monday night as well, saying it's a dangerous one to to jump on because if they're selling a fake if Higby, you know, maybe is is you know selling a block and then he breaks free, or Cooper Cup, they're doing a, a little fake bubble and then they they run down the sideline. Uh, Cup could be wide open and all by himself, and it could result in a touchdown the other way. But uh, Hufanga was so confident in what he saw. I think that's what we're learning about him. He just he's so natural. He, he sees the game of football quicker than most people do, especially most second year players. He saw the ball. He trusts what he saw, what he's seen from the Rams through all of his film study and his film work. And he was willing to take that risk. And it certainly paid off because the ball was right where he was expecting it. And uh, he, he also said postgame, which was kind of funny. Uh, I almost read it a little too quickly because I bobbled the ball and almost didn't catch it. Um, but he, he was able to, to haul it in and had an easy pick six. So all the credit in the world to, to Talanoa Hufanga and the preparation to get ready for that moment. He was phenomenal. And then what's really, really strange, and this is what I saw uh, Josh Dubow from the Associated Press tweet out yesterday. The 49ers' last five pick sixes have come against either Jared Goff or Matthew Stafford. And all but one of them have been while they were quarterbacking the Rams. So last night, Hufanga against Matthew Stafford and the Rams, Jimmy Ward last year against Stafford and the Rams, Drake Greenlaw last year against Jared Goff and the Lions, Javon Kinlaw against Jared Goff and the Rams back in 2020, and then Fred Warner against Goff and the Rams back in 2019. So there is something about the Niners playing Rams quarterbacks, whether it's Goff or Stafford, and pick sixes. If I am Matthew Stafford, I am terrified of when they meet in SoFi next, uh, next time coming up this season because it almost seems like the Niners are guaranteed a pick six in that one as well. Well, I'm sure they'd take it, especially uh, <laughs> Talanoa Hufanga. 
Uh, our, our own Lucas Alexander here at, at 95.7 The Game, your co-producer, uh, texted me after the game saying the the Tongan Tiger is is <laughs> what his, his nickname yep. is on Instagram. I really like that nickname. I think that's pretty appropriate. Obviously, he is Polynesian. He is Tongan. And he is as quick and deceptive and intelligent a hunter, an apex predator as a tiger, as he looked on that play and really looked throughout the entire game. Like he just has a nose for the football as do a lot of players on the 49ers defense. And that's also maybe one of the reasons why I think he's allowed to play so freely is that there is trust. And especially when someone like Jimmy Ward comes back into the, into the secondary, when you have guys around you that you trust that even if Hufanga makes the risky play, even if he makes a mistake, that there's someone behind him who's going to clean up the mess because he's making an educated guess on that play. But there also has to be a level of trust and that the guys that are ready to back you up are up to the job should you have made you know potentially the wrong call. You're making a 90% guess, but you're leaving some room for error. This defense makes it so that everyone can play seemingly free, especially last night, the way that they looked. And something that I, I want to key on specifically, which I saw, and I think was was kind of a focus throughout the game, the 49ers blitzed the hell out of the yeah. Los Angeles Rams, especially in the first half. I think it was a near 50% blitz rate, and this was a team that coming into the game was one of the f- lowest in the league as far as blitz rate is concerned. So D'Amico Ryans, I don't know if it's bucking a trend, considering there's only been four games so far, but he absolutely demonstrated again that this defense might even have another level to it. And when it gets healthier, there might be more options as to how you can beat teams because the Rams coming into last game were 29th in terms of total attempts and rushing. They're a team that likes to throw the ball and that likes to use primarily passing to beat you. Okay, that's fine. Well, if you're going to drop back 48 times like Matthew Stafford did, our defense in the line, front four, five, six, doesn't matter. We're going to pin our ears back and get after the quarterback. And I know during our preview show, that was one of my keys to the game is can you get to Stafford? And they did it not once, not twice, not five, not six, (laughs) but seven times last night. And so much so that it was difficult for me to keep track of who was picking up sacks because like Bosa had two, Ebicom had two. There was many different players that got into the backfield. And for Stafford, who by the end of the game was bruised and battered, his arm was all torn up. Like he looked like a guy that got into the trenches and walked out feeling very uneasy because of how difficult D'Amico Ryans and that 49ers defense made his night. Yeah, I I think where you credit D'Amico Ryan's the most. I mean, you have stars defensively that make great plays. I'm not sure you can directly credit D'Amico Ryan's for what Talanoa Hufunga did for for Nick Bosa's two sacks, but where you can absolutely credit D'Amico Ryan's and where he deserves the credit is the game that he called on the defensive side. You mentioned it. This Niners team is not a blitzing team. They generally trust their, you know, four linemen to rush the passer and make things uncomfortable. They'll drop everyone else into coverage. Maybe there's a linebacker spy if you're playing, you know, an athletic quarterback. But generally, that's it. Four-man rush for the 49ers. Everyone else is back into coverage. That was not the case against the Rams on Monday night. And the Niners absolutely took advantage of it. Because as you mentioned, seven sacks, Bosa two, Ebukam two, Diamador Lenore coming on a corner blitz. He had a sack, by the way, go Ducks. Uh, Charles Omenehu had a sack. <laughs> Hassan Ridgeway had a sack. 
we talked all season and so many people have talked about the depth of this 49ers defensive line. We haven't really seen a lot of it relate to sacks and tackles for loss so far. And partly is just because it's, it's all been Nick Bosa and he's been so incredibly good. And I think he's deserving at least through a quarter of the season of the defensive player of the year at this point. But you see Omenahue factoring in, Hassan Ridgeway factoring in, Givens, he had a tackle for loss, also deflected a pass at the line of scrimmage. I mean, these are guys that aren't going to be playing massive number of snaps moving forward, especially when you get Eric Armstead healthy once again. I mean, this 49ers front seven was just showing off against the Rams and D'Amico Ryan's brought up the perfect, perfect game plan. And even when the 49ers weren't getting to Matthew Stafford, Evan, he was still uncomfortable. You could tell that he was jittery in the pocket. He was worried, I might only have a half a second of time to get this ball out, even though there was no one really uh, pressuring him in that moment. He wasn't in imminent danger, but you could feel in the back of his head that he was worried because that's the kind of night it was for him and the 49ers rush against him, which... It just it, it, it's incredible because the 49ers, um, you know, ha- have such a, a deep front seven and, and they and they really showed it on on Monday night. But I mean, you just look at who it came from again, from Omenahue and Ridgeway and Ebukam. I mean, from those three, that's four sacks combined just from those three guys. Uh, you get your two from Nick Bosa, who now leads the league in, in sacks. He leads the league in quarterback hits. He leads the league in pressures. Uh you have that kind of depth behind a superstar pass rusher like Nick Bosa, and you are going to get nights like this often throughout the course of a season. Yeah, and that's I'm glad you brought up the Stafford point too about feeling uncomfortable because, and maybe we can use this point to transition to the offense. Like there was a couple of plays where Stafford, I mean, he had openings. I'm thinking about their first drive out of the out of the break into the third quarter, the 16 play drive that turned into a field goal. They had a third down and goal on the seven-yard line. Stafford rolls out to his right, has has Higby wide, butt-naked open in the <laughs> flat, and misses him by like five yards. That is a product of hearing footsteps that aren't there. Like, that, to me, is a situation where Stafford, if he's comfortable in a game, like, that, that's a layup for him. That's a layup for most quarterbacks. But he doesn't hit him because... There's 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 that internal clock in his head that I got to get this football out. And you can tell after the play he's frustrated, but there were throws like that throughout the night. Maybe not as poor as that one, but Stafford definitely looked uncomfortable delivering the football, even when he was getting it to his top targets. I mean, I'm looking at Cooper Cup and for a guy that had 14 catches, 122 yards, like that may have been one of the most quiet 120 yard games that I've seen. And that has been the recipes for success against specifically the Rams. You can let Coop, Cup or Coop, Cooper <laughs> Cup, you can let him eat, but it cannot be big plays down the field. And him averaging eight yards a game, as much as we're talking about the pass rush getting to the quarterback, the secondary also deserves a lot of credit. Some of the corners you named as far as the pass rush, Lenore, you know, looking at Traverius Ward, who did an excellent job locking up Allen Robinson. There were guys in the secondary outside of Telenoa Hufanga that also did a fantastic job against Matthew Stafford. I'm a little worried about the Rams offense. Cup, 19 targets. Higby, 14 targets. Allen Robinson, 6. Running back, Daryl Henderson, 4. Ben Skoranek, another receiver, 3. 
This offense is incredibly one-dimensional. And I want to quickly play a game with you here, Evan. I know we're going to transition in a second, but I'm going to give you just a couple of, of stats from a couple of quarterbacks in the NFL, okay? So mm-hmm. number one, you got a 61% completion rate, 1,126 passing yards, 11 touchdowns, and three interceptions. Okay, that's quarterback number one. Yeah. Quarterback number two, 71% completion percentage, 1,015 yards, four touchdowns, and six interceptions. That's quarterback number two. This is through four games for both quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's it's clear one of them is Matthew Stafford, and the, the second one is Matthew Stafford. Yes. Four touchdowns, six interceptions. He's still completing 71% of his passes. Do you have any idea who that quarterback one was? 11 touchdowns, three interceptions with 61% completion percentage. I'll say Lamar Jackson. Close, but incorrect. It's Jared Goff. Mm, Jared Goff yes. of the Detroit Lions, the guy that the Rams traded to acquire Matthew Stafford. Again, you know, it's early season. These kind of things fluctuate. But you look at the early returns on these two quarterbacks this year, despite the fact that Jared Goff had only TJ Hawkinson to throw to this week in week four uh, against the Seattle Seahawks. He is putting up great numbers, 11 touchdowns, three interceptions, his quarterback rating a tick under 100 Matthew Stafford's barely over 81, four touchdowns, six interceptions. I am worried about this Rams offense, and I am worried about Matthew Stafford. They are too one-dimensional. Matthew Stafford is too locked in on Cooper Cup, and unless things change, they are going to struggle offensively. The Niners' defense was not the first, and they will not be the last to limit this Rams offense this year. This is the 415ers podcast three times a week. This week, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, usually Mondays, Wednesday, and Friday on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. Evan Giddings and Mark Grandy with you as always. Well, I can tell you which offense was not one-dimensional last night. It was the San Francisco 49ers with a gun-slinging Jimmy Garoppolo (laughs) in the saddle. Now, okay, look, the numbers weren't anything to, to write home about. 16 to 27, 240 yards thereabouts one touchdown, and most importantly, zero turnovers from Jimmy Garoppolo. But he did spread the ball around. I mean, I, I don't know, honestly, how we've gotten this far in the podcast and have not mentioned Debo Samuel's Tecmo oh, Bowl-type 57-yard touchdown play. But Debo Samuel had 16 for a buck 15, seven targets. Ayuk had, had four targets. Kittle had four targets. Juwan Jennings had four targets. And in going back to our original, you know, a uh, theory that this this has to be the recipe for success for the 49ers. Look, about 25 pass attempts a game for Jimmy Garoppolo. Keep things short. Keep things intermediate. Keep things yak. Like, in the passing game, the 49ers, to me, demonstrated... I, think, I do think they have another level. I do think they can get better. But if they play that brand of football with the way that their defense is playing... It is the ultimate complimentary team. And again, it's the reason why I think a lot of people were so high on this group, even when Trey Lance was the quarterback at the beginning of the season, because you need to do as an offense just enough, and that will get you to a win with how good your defense is. Now that Jimmy's back in the saddle, he needs to do just enough. Last night, he did just enough, and they won by 15 points, finally getting some help on defense with points so technically all right 17 for the offense but even if you're around 20 per game to me this is a defense that is not going to allow 
20 plus points to most offenses, if any, throughout this season. And if you're going to be telling me that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be capable of, you know, a touchdown or two, maybe not an interception, and you're running the ball relatively effectively. I know last night it was about 22 carries, 88 yards as a whole, but they did enough to keep pressure off of him and keep the pass rush off of Jimmy Garoppolo. I like the 49ers' chances in virtually any single game if this is the way that they can play moving forward. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the key is something you mentioned briefly there as well. It's the yards after catch that this Niners offense is able to to get. And a lot of that is thanks to just Debo Samuel's unique ability as a pass catcher and, and as a runner, a carrier of the football. I mean, you look at Garoppolo's 239 passing yards, 193 of them. That's 81%. 81% of Jimmy Garoppolo's passing yards were from yards after the catch. And you can thank Debo Samuel for that almost by himself. He had two really long catch and runs. One of them went for that 57-yard touchdown that I think left everyone's jaw on the floor across the entire Bay Area, including ours. We're watching, you know, at the 95-7 The Game Studios. That was just an absolutely incredible catch and run from Debo Samuel. One where when Garoppolo throws it, you might be thinking, oh, oh God, that might be intercepted. But he put it nice and high away from the defender. He saw the defender crashing on Debo's route and, and threw it up high where the defender couldn't get it, only where Debo could get it. But I didn't think in his wildest dreams, he thought that one would go for a 57-yard touchdown. And he has Debo Samuel to thank for that and Debo Samuel to thank for that alone. Uh, but the yards after the catch are the key for the 49ers offensively because that is when they've been at their best. When Kyle Shanahan can scheme up those openings in the passing game, he gets balls to his playmakers in space. It didn't happen with George Kittle like I was expecting in this game, but it happened with Debo Samuel. And you, you give him just an ounce of space. He's going to give you at least 15 or 20 yards as a result. And he turned one of them into 57 yards, which was just absolutely ridiculous. But Garoppolo, the key is is efficiency. He's going to be up around 200 yards passing most of the game, or most games. But generally speaking, a high amount of those yards should be yards after catch. And if they are, it means this Niners offense is working how Kyle Shanahan is designing it to. Because we've talked about it all podcast long past episodes this 49er offense and Kyle Shanahan they just simply do not trust they don't have the ability to throw the ball deep down the field and get those air yards as they're called but they do have the ability to scheme openings up over the middle 10 15 yards down the field and then run with the ball after that and last night 81 percent of those passing yards coming after the catch I think that is you know, an ultimate symptom that this Niners offense is humming and running well. That, of course, along with the run game. And, and we saw, I think, some more uh, flashes of that on Monday night as well. Well, statistically, there wasn't a lot of George Kittle, but there could have been. Could have had a touchdown. Yeah. And in fact, that one throw by Jimmy Garoppolo, I know everyone is is making the fact that, okay, Ayuk was open in the flat. To me, that's a more risky throw, especially with Jalen Ramsey over there, a guy that can turn an interception into points and you're not you'd want to do everything you can to not turn the ball over on the goal line i thought that throw to george kittle was absolutely beautiful there's an angle uh, I, I i forget who it was that put it out on twitter but him throwing over the top of two defenders and yeah. laying the ball in beautifully to kittle 
perfect. And that was a fantastic pass. He also missed a few. Look, I mean, there's a, I think, a third and 10 on their second drive of the game, or second drive of the second quarter on a third and 10. He overthrows Juwan Jennings. Uh, the, the drive before Juwan Jennings dropped the ball on third down, um, you know, I, I know that he had, uh, at the beginning of the second half, Garoppolo had used check open on a go route that he missed him. Um, you know, th- there was definitely some throws and plays that the offense could have wanted back. So to me, that's also why I believe there is another level to this offense and maybe even to Jimmy Garoppolo. I'm not saying he's going to start throwing for 300 yards a game immediately, but I do think there is a next step for him, especially considering the leap we saw him make just from last week to this. Some of that has to be familiarity to me with the Los Angeles Rams. He has been able to play well against them before. It looked like he, right from the get-go, he seemed more comfortable in the pocket. He rips it to Ayuk down on that first drive. They convert their first third down of the game compared to missing on their first nine against Denver. There just seemed to be more of a rhythm to the passing game as well as complementing it with the running game and Jeff Wilson Jr., who got the majority of those carries last night. And look, I, I I said it in jest, but as far as Jimmy G gunslinging and throwing the ball around the field, like to me, I I, I like to see that. I like to see I like to see Kyle get his quarterback into a rhythm early in the game, especially considering most teams are probably expecting you to try and pound the ball. There was some conservative play calling in the second half once you got up, and then you try and you know put the ball on the ground, create first downs while running clock. But to me, I thought the fact that Jimmy G was allowed to throw the ball early in the game and the fact that he also did complete passes really allowed the offense to kind of, you know, then get creative with the passing game. And especially, and I know you want time to talk about this, Mark, get creative with the running game. Yes, I, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I wanted to get to it right now. I mean, I think Kyle Shanahan, we, we talked about it a lot last week and throughout the season the run game seems to have gotten a little bit stale. It's pretty predictable. Debo Samuel in the backfield, Debo Samuel is going to get the ball. He only had two carries, two yards. So, I mean, that did not work. They didn't stick with it. They didn't try to make it work, but they made work what has worked for Kyle Shanahan in the past. It is creative runs. And I'm going to nerd out here a little bit with this 32-yard touchdown run by Jeff Wilson Jr. in the first half. Niners down 3 nothing. First and 10 from the Rams' 32-yard line. And this play is what we call a wing motion to toss, but there's a wham block mixed in on the nose tackle. So for football nerds, this is just like enough to give you the chills when you watch all of this work together. So I'm salivating. One... <laughs> so, okay, let's, let's go through the formation. Garoppolo's under center. Jeff Wilson Jr. alone in the backfield. There's a tight end on either side of the formation. Kittle's a tight end on the right. He moves in motion from right to left. That's with the play. The play is going to go to the left side. That's the wing motion part of this play. And he becomes Jeff Wilson Jr.'s lead blocker, essentially. And then it's an inside toss to the left side to Wilson. And just as Wilson is catching the toss, the tight end on the left side, this time it's Charlie Warner, he's moving over to the right, opposite of the way the play is moving. So from left to right. And his job is to lay the wham block on the nose tackle. That's what the wham play is. When you have someone moving against the grain of the play, taking out the nose tackle in the middle of the offense. And it works because the nose tackle doesn't see him coming because the center, Jake Brendel, initially starts blocking the nose tackle before moving on to someone else. 
when Brendel moves off that nose tackle, the nose tackle is thinking, all right, I'm home free. I see Jeff Wilson Jr. with the ball. I got him. I can take him out. And before he realizes it's a trap, the tight end Warner is already knocking him back. And suddenly a hole opens up. And what that really does is it splits the defense in half. Suddenly everyone to the right of that nose tackle where Charlie Warner has taken him out is out of the play for at least the first five yards. This is guaranteed five, six, seven yards as long as the left side of the offensive line don't lose their blocks. And they end up winning. The left guard, Aaron Banks, he takes on the front side linebacker while the left tackle, Colton McKivitz, he takes uh, on the edge rusher on the play side, that, that left side. And then what springs it even further is Spencer Burford, the rookie right guard, who he wins his first matchup on the right side, and then he's able to get to the second level, and he takes out two other Rams, including star linebacker Bobby Wagner. That's what springs this for a touchdown. Even without that, it was going for seven, eight, nine, maybe 10 yards, but Spencer Burford's effort to get to the second level to finish off the rest of the defense, it allows Wilson to run 32 yards untouched for a touchdown. And you think of everything that went into that play, the motion by Kittle, the lead blocker, the wham block by uh, Warner, set up by the quick show by the, the center, Brendel, and then Burford getting to the second level. All of that has to work. All of it has to be timed to perfection. And then Jeff Wilson Jr. has to see it, read it, react, and actually run through it. And all of it happened at once. It is a play you don't see often. You see the wham concept often in the run game at the NFL level, but you don't necessarily see it with wing motion, with a toss to the left side. And it was just Kyle Shanahan digging deep into his bag of tricks and pulling off one of the more incredible run game, run plays we've seen from him this year. 32 yards untouched by Jeff Wilson Jr. Everyone executed perfectly, and the result is six points. A phenomenal breakdown. I encourage all of you to go watch that play. I, I Really, the thing that caught my eye when you sent me the video was, was Burford, just clearing the way. I know yeah. a lot of different things have to go right before that, but the ability of the young Burford to get to the second level immediately and just steamroll multiple guys, clearing the way, essentially the last line for Jeff Wilson Jr. to walk in untouched was, was just phenomenal. Uh, I Also, something you mentioned, too, a little bit before that, I thought was interesting, at least caught my eye as we prepare to wrap up this podcast. The fact that Kyle Shanahan, as a play caller, specifically in the running game, and maybe this was the plan all along, but I thought he also showed us a willingness to adjust. He's a big process guy, but the fact that twice in the first quarter, he gave the ball to Debo Samuel, who we talked about last week and a couple weeks before how there had been sort of, you know, defenses had been able to read and be honed in on Debo. The runs for him had been more predictable. Well, Early on in the game, they were predictable. I think he had a run for one yard and a run for negative one or zero yards. He ended up with a couple of carries in that game for a total of two yards. So one one yard per run. Kyle Shanahan didn't go to him the rest of the game. Yep. He did not use him as a running back the rest of the game. He found different ways to get Debo Samuel his best weapon, arguably the best and most creative weapon in football, the ball. So to me, there was also, I think, some growth that I saw in the running game from Shanahan, recognizing what was working, what wasn't early. And to your point, maybe recognizing, okay, if we set up these different plays with the run, then we'll have a chance to break out big with something like a 32-yard dash a la Jeff Wilson Jr. Yep. 
I agree. And I know we, we got to get out here, but I do have one more quick note. I saw uh, Matt Mayoko. He tweeted Monday night. He saw Trent Williams after the game. He was in an orthopedic walking boot for the high ankle sprain he sustained against Denver on Sunday night. Uh, in spite of that, he looked to be getting around pretty well, says Mayo- Mayoko. And uh, apparently Trent Williams told him, quote, I'll be back in no time. So make of that what you will. Uh, I know Kyle Shanahan has has said we're not really sure when he's going to be back. Surgery is not needed, but we're not really sure about whether he'll go on IR. If if you're you know trusting Trent Williams, it seems like he he's not worried about you know long term when he'll be back. So that's obviously good news. But this run game and the offensive line, I thought, did a, a very very good job last night, especially considering they're going up against one of the best defensive players this game has ever seen in Aaron Donald. They held up very, very well. Colton McKivitz went down with an injury in the game. Jalen Moore stepped in, and he filled in pretty nicely as well. So uh, we certainly hope McKivitz isn't out for too long. But uh, Niners' offensive line still played pretty well despite some tough circumstances. Well, they hit the road for their, I believe, only East Coast swing as far as back-to-back weeks of the season, right? They get Carolina on the road. I think this is the last time they'll be out of the Pacific time zone. Believe it or yeah, not. so they head to Carolina this weekend and then Atlanta on the road next weekend. Uh, so two very winnable games upcoming for the 49ers. That's another part two that we'll get into on Wednesday. The fact that now at two and two, not that you're certainly playing with house money, but you're on track of where you need to be. And that's, I think, where I want to pick up next time on the 415ers podcast. We appreciate all of you tuning in three times a week, this week on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday, normally Mondays, Wednesday, and Friday on the Odyssey Sports Podcast Network. Download, rate, and subscribe. Give us five stars wherever you get your podcasts. My name, my name is Evan Giddings. That is Mark Grandy. Mark, thank you, sir. And to our audience, we appreciate you. We'll talk to you next time. Go Niners. They're back even. They beat the Rams. They're back in it. 